The 2019 CFL Draft has concluded. Dan Harrelson here alongside Marshall Ferguson, who is in Canada, in, in Hamilton. Marshall, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out where everybody got drafted and what it actually means. You know how fun this is in the NFL Draft. In the CFL, we only got 73 picks. We're not dealing with the hundreds in the NFL, so it's a little bit more specific, but fun to figure out the day after, no doubt. Well, tell everybody about yourself, uh, your resume. You do quite a few things with the CFL. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of grew up playing basketball, actually, up here in Canada, and then I fell for football when I was in about grade 10 in high school, and, and I ended up playing university quarterback at McMaster in Hamilton, Ontario, and then from there, I uh, got a job covering the Hamilton Tiger Cats, which a lot of people down south know is the team that, of course, had Johnny Manziel last year for a little bit. We're negotiating with him, but uh, Manziel came and went, and uh, we had that experience, but... Uh, I've been the play-by-play voice for the Tiger Cats for three years, going on four years now this season, and uh, write for CFL.ca week in, week out, in-season and off-season, and do uh, their kind of their lead draft coverage as well, because a guy that came from university sports in Canada, I love covering university sports in Canada, and then of course we get guys like Jonathan who pop up once every couple of years that are just special talents from the NCAA that happen to have that national background, and Scouts can't help themselves, Dan. When they see that NCA, when they see a guy with a Tennessee Vols logo, they want him on their team. So, yeah, I've, I've been blessed to cover a bunch of different things up here with Canadian football. Yeah, and we had talked previously uh, right before the CFL draft yesterday, and uh, you had mentioned that uh, Congbo could go pretty high in the draft if there is a team out there like Winnipeg obviously did. Uh, with Kongbo going fifth overall in the first round. That's, uh, sure, we all know Kongbo in October last year uh, during the Auburn game at Auburn, a big win for Tennessee, that uh, he had the ACL injury and ended his collegiate career. Yeah. Uh, but we all know uh, the type of athlete that and the, the body that, that Kongbo has to be successful in the game of football. And you were right. You, you said uh, you could come a, a across a team that – can take him pretty high, and that's where he went, fifth overall. Yeah, absolutely. And I mentioned to you when we talked before the draft that everything in the CFL draft, because there's only nine teams that are picking, right, it's, it's always a matter of opinion. And somebody can slide from you know, being a fifth overall pick, like he ended up having Congo taken, to being a 25th overall pick because the team thinks, well, maybe we can get value later on down our big board, or maybe we can end up finding this guy, or maybe we can find somebody like him later in the rounds that can give us a similar type of production. I think the thing that, that set Jonathan apart, in all honesty, in the CFL draft yesterday was just the idea that he was not someone that you could match his production when he's healthy, right? The risk and the reward is what you're dealing with all the time in these draft scenarios. And I think Kyle Walters is the general manager of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I know him pretty well. He was a, uh, a, a head coach at the Guelph Griffins, which is a university program up here in Canada, and he's been the GM for a while. He has a certain type that he likes to go get, and it's a big lanky, athletic offensive lineman or defensive lineman. And yesterday, the Bombers had two picks in the first round because of a trade with the BC Lions from last year. So they actually went out and got a big, lanky, physical offensive lineman from Windsor up here near Detroit, Canada. And then with the fifth pick, they went Kongbo, and it totally fit his makeup. And it's clear that teams thought more highly of Kongbo than I realized when I did my final mock draft because if he would have slipped past five, I mean, after that, you're looking at Saskatchewan was picking at six. They just lost one of the better pass rushers in the league. I have full confidence they probably would have gone with him looking back on it now. 
Then you had the Calgary Stampeders. They're notorious for taking the best player available. If he fell all the way to eighth overall, he probably would have got taken there. So he was very much sought after in this draft for all the reasons you're talking about because when healthy with that body type, he's great. And for everything that we have heard, his rehabilitation is going exceptionally well, and that's, I think, what led him to being the fifth overall pick. And you mentioned Johnny Manziel last year with Hamilton, uh, another guy that uh, a lot of people here in the States are familiar with, especially throughout the college football landscape, is former Hawaii head coach June Jones, uh, who was at Hamilton, still is at Hamilton, but a little bit of a change this offseason with him. Yeah, June is amazing. Uh, I've gotten to know June really well in the last two years because being an offensive guy and kind of a quarterback mind that I was up here playing uh, about five, six years ago when I was still in school, you know, I watched, uh, like everybody else that loves college ball, I was staying up and watching those, you know, 2 a.m. start Hawaii games when I was just a high school kid in Kingston, Ontario. And so uh, I was watching Colt Brandon, and I was watching what they were doing with Devon Best and Ryan Greismullen and all of that. And I remember thinking as a kid, even before I really got into football then, I remember thinking, man, this guy just seems different. Like he's, he's wandering around the sideline, you know, he's always got the same look on his face. He's running this powerful offense. And then as I got older, and I look into it and I research it, you realize, oh, okay, that's what he's about. That's his background. That's his pedigree. He came to Hamilton, and I remember I was actually on vacation in the Rocky Mountains in Alberta, and one of my friends was with me, and he, and he kind of pulled up his phone. He said, hey, I know you don't want to be working right now because you're on vacation, but June Jones just signed on with the Ticats. I said, June Jones? What the hell is he doing up here? I was like, why would he? Because he wasn't the head coach at that point. Well, sure enough, about three weeks later, he ended up taking over the job from then Kent Austin, who was an old Ole Miss offensive coordinator, and he ended up becoming a part of the team. The next year he gets the head coaching job, and now he stepped to the wayside to be an offensive coordinator. So he was actually at the draft party last night that I was uh, running in Hamilton for the Tiger Cats. He came over and threw up the shotgun, said hello to myself and my co-host Kyle Mello up here in Canada, and, and told us he listens every morning. So he's hanging around the building and getting ready for a big 2019 for the Ticats for sure. And uh, this offseason, he's moved on from the head coaching position, correct? He has, yeah. It's a, actually a really amazing, uh, you know, kind of selfless move that you very, very rarely see uh, for coaching in any level, NCAA, CFL, NFL, otherwise, where a guy comes in and there was some heat, I think, because June wanted the head coaching job right when he got here, but he didn't get it right away. He was kind of brought in as a consultant and he was going to look at some things. And then he ended up getting the head coaching job. He holds it for a single season. The Ticats go to the East Final, which is essentially the Final Four of the CFL. And the Ticats end up losing right there. And then, you know, we're thinking about, well, his deal's another year or two. But June's really not into it for the money at this point in his career. He's done everything that you can do in football at any level. So he actually donated all of his salary from the previous year to a local charity here in Hamilton. That gives you a sense for the fact that, that he's really just doing it because he loves coaching football. It's the same reason why he brought Jerry Glanville up to be the defensive coordinator last year. Because Glanville was just up here for the hell of coaching football alongside his buddy June Jones. And, and so, yeah, this offseason, June decided that Orlando Steinauer, who is a great defensive back in the Canadian Football League, uh, played NCAA ball, I believe, at Washington, was down at Fresno State as an assistant a couple of years ago. He's, he's kind of a lifelong Tiger Cat, Toronto Argonauts kind of guy. And he made his way back to Hamilton, was a receivers coach, looked over the offense and the defense, kind of big picture we all saw the writing on the wall that Orlando was going to become the head coach, but we just didn't know when. It turns out it was only one year after he came back to Hamilton from Fresno State because June stepped to the wayside this offseason and held a conference call in which he just said, listen, Orlando's ready. Like, I don't need to be the head coach. I was already coaching the offense. I'm still 
still going to do the same job, but now I can just have to not worry about, you know, the 12th man on the field or trying to figure out the timeout situation or how challenges work. I think June just wants to be focused on scoring points, and that's really dangerous for any other defense in the CFL because when that guy's locked in and only has to worry about one thing, he's about as good as it gets. Going through the uh, draft selections in, in the CFL draft from last night, uh, a lot of guys that played college football in Canada. How big is college football in Canada? Yeah, to give people perspective, and it's, you know, I always laugh when I think about this because as much as I played Canadian college football, I mean, I watched NCAA football every single week, and I know what it's like to, to see a game down there in the Vols crowd and the checkered orange and white and all the rest, and Rocky Top, and like I, I watched that stuff as a fan as much as anything else while I'm still an analyst, and so when I compare it to people, I always think that, you know, I, I say this, and people are probably going to laugh, we have 27 schools, Dan, that play Canadian college football. <laughs> that is essentially, you're looking at, you know, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and a couple of small schools sprinkled in here and there and in between. And that is, uh, it's significantly smaller. There's way less money in it. Uh, there are no full rides. The maximum amount of scholarship you can get is about $5,000 tuition to be able to go and play. And that's why you have top-end guys like Jonathan Kongbo go and take their talent south because they know that they can get a, a full ride or at least a partial ride that's worth a lot of money, that's worth more exposure, that's worth the experience of playing for an SEC team like that. So uh, it's 27 schools. The Vanier Cup is the big show at the end. That's the national championship game that we have. Uh, it is the same weekend as the Great Cup, which is great because we get a chance to kind of celebrate Canadian championship football at the end of November each and every year. So uh, it is, uh, it's not, not that big, but I'm hoping if enough uh, weirdos like me keep promoting it, then maybe it'll get bigger and bigger. Last thing, Marshall, how big is uh, the CFL in Canada? Of course, we all know how important and how big hockey in the NHL is uh, in Canada, but uh, the CFL, it's been around since, what, the late 50s, and uh, it, it's really established itself uh, throughout each decade. How big is the CFL in Canada? Yeah, it is. It's got an amazing, I would say, niche fan base, which is, depending on what fan base you're talking about, it's a completely different situation so we always say up here in the cfl that it's it's at times it doesn't feel like a 19 league it feels like nine different cities that happen to be in a league because the saskatchewan rough riders have got this massive beautiful uh, stadium that kind of looks over what is just prairies it is just flat land in saskatchewan where they grow wheat and and grow farm boys as well and it's just one of those things where you look at how that fan base interacts and how passionate they are they get people that drive from northern saskatchewan eight, ten hours to go to a game on, uh, you know, a Friday night or a Thursday evening if they have one of those, a Saturday afternoon, whatever it might be, they drive in and then they drive straight back and go to work the next day because they don't have a choice because those are working communities. That's vastly different than a Toronto Argonaut situation where their fan base is not quite as passionate. It is developing. It is a bit of a niche group, but they've got the Raptors. They've got the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've got the Toronto Blue Jays. It's tough. It's, it's competition. But I will say this, with the direction of the new commissioner that came in last year, Randy Ambrosi, he's trying to grow the brand of Canadian football both domestically and beyond the borders with a strategy he's calling CFL 2.0, where he wants to be able to bring in international players from overseas. And so he signed a bunch of agreements with the German Football League, the Danish Football League, Swedish Football League, the uh, League of Football Americano, which is down in Mexico. And he's having drafts of these players from all over Europe and South America now to try and develop the game alongside the domestic game, which is Canadian college football. And with all of those different flavors, he's kind of throwing it into one big pot, kind of like Canada, on and on to see with the immigration policies and everything here and saying, 
hey, let's just celebrate the game for what it is. Let's get everybody involved and interested. And so it is growing slowly, steadily over time, I think. Uh, it'll be able to challenge some of the other sports that are in those those markets. But, yeah, every single market is completely different. And the other thing is, too, there's only two markets in the Canadian Football League which do not have an NHL team, which certainly helps. One of them is Saskatchewan, and thankfully for me, Dan, the other is Hamilton, Ontario. Well, Marshall, I do appreciate you coming on the podcast, recapping the 2019 CFL draft, and talking a little bit about uh, Jonathan Kongbo from the University of Tennessee getting selected to Winnipeg. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how his uh, his rookie campaign turns out. I think he's going to be a very productive player. They had a guy out of Winnipeg a couple years ago, uh, Jamal Westerman, who was a Rutgers defensive end that uh, I think compares pretty favorably to a, a player like Jonathan Kongbo. So it'll be great to see uh, how his season goes. Looking forward to watching the Vols this fall as well.